Because sometimes we're so stupid, we don't know to reach out to him. But he reaches down to us. And he knows what's better for us than what we know for ourselves. I'm so glad that we have that kind of God. I'm glad that we have that kind of God that I don't have to have the right statue in front of me. I don't have to ornate it and dress it up and put it in a box and get it all ready and every once in a while dust it off. I'm so glad that I don't have to do that in order to reach my God. But he has no boundaries, no limitations. He's here with us here. He's here with you in your Chevy or Ford or whatever you want to drive. You are driving. He's with you there. He's with you in Walmart. God bless you. He's with you in Walmart. He's with you wherever you go. You see, in the Old Testament, the foreign lands that the children of Israel went and took over, they couldn't quite figure it out. Because all of them, they had something what was called the national God. And their God abided within the boundaries of their country. And that's it. But with the children of Israel, every step of faith they took, every step they took with the Ark of the Covenant, new grounds claimed in the name of the Lord of God had given them a promise for it, and they had a mobile God. They had a God that wherever they went, God was with them. They worshiped him out in the wilderness from one spot to another spot. And even on the way, they worshiped their God. I'll tell you what, I thank God that we have a mobile God. We have a Holy Spirit that, you know, Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you even to the end of the age. And he meant what he said. He meant exactly what he said. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. He won't forget about us. Even if his cell phone doesn't have any reception, which we know God's cell phone is always on. He has 100 million G. He don't have 5G. He has no limitations. That's your God. That's my God. Now, I got to tell you, I'm getting a little excited here. When I start reminding myself, some of us need to preach to ourselves. You get up in the morning, you look in the mirror and preach to yourself. And say, you are fearfully, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Though the world doesn't see it, you see it and God sees it that you are beautiful in his eyes. And that you will never walk alone. No matter where you go, he's going to be with you. And that you're not the tail, you're the head. And that you have the blessing of God that wherever you are, God's favor rests upon you, children of God. You're not a pushover. God's giving you anointing to be a takeover of the things that want to control and get in your way. You are not just a conqueror. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord. I know every time I do this, it kind of shortens whatever my sermon's going to be on a time limit. I'm so glad that we don't have a clock in the sanctuary and not everybody shouts glory to God to that, but I'm glad we don't. I'm glad like one far side comic had a minister was up preaching at the pulpit and all of a sudden in the caption, 
a steam whistle blows real loud behind him. He tells the church, the caption is, now I see that my time is, is up. I'm glad we don't have a steam whistle here to blow the wind. We got to stop. For we have a God that just goes with us everywhere, no matter where we go. There's no time limit on God, no limit on him. Praise the Lord. I'm glad I'm here today. I'm glad you're here today. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're really blessed to see me today. I just, I, I'm just getting you to tell them what you think. We are so blessed. So blessed. Devoted. Devoted. And just a, just going through the book of Acts gives us an understanding that how many here know that we're living in the last days? We are. How many here know that there is a lot of demonic attacks that are against the church and God's people, the kingdom of God, and that there is a plot and plan to totally change the mindset of America? To chase away this idea that we have Judeo-Christian values they declare and say they no longer exist, but I will tell you, God's word will not pass away. So they're always going to be around, though they're not popular. Of course, I will tell you throughout Scripture, God's opinion really wasn't popular all the time. But it stands sure, and it's true. The book of Acts, these people, these people, these people, these people... From the grandparents, great-grandparents and on, the people who believed and was proud of their legacy, and rightfully so, being sons of Abraham and daughters of Abraham. And so they believed in God, but the system of worship had become decayed and no longer fruitful expiration date had occurred on worship. It was running out of time until Jesus came at the right appointed time. And he came and he being God come in the form of flesh living a sinless life giving us example, a word and a way. There he's nailed on the cross, rises up on the third day as he said he would, leaving an incredible testimony with the community around him and the region and the country of God's miraculous power. And Jesus' works confirmed who he was. Jesus' works confirmed that he was the Son of God. Though they crucified him, they didn't put him to death, but he laid down his own life. And he raised up himself. God raised him up on the third day. And there he lingered with his disciples for 40 days in that form and resurrection. And Jesus told them the things that needed to be, and reminded them of his teachings. I tell you what, someone come out of the grave, you really want to listen to what they have to say. Amen. 
They've gone places you and I had never been, you know. And they listened to him and all the completeness and all the dots were being connected into God's plan for this new age and this new system. A better way. A better way, as the writer says. It's a better way in Christ. He ascends back into heaven. Before he leaves, he tells the disciples, I'm going to commission you and everyone that's in my kingdom to go and make disciples, teaching them to observe all things which I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He ascends back into heaven. The angels tell the disciples as Jesus disappears, they said, don't you lose your heart. This same Jesus you seem been taken away will come again in like manner. And he's going to take us away. But Jesus told them before he rose up into heaven, he said, he said, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Don't you preach, don't you teach, don't you organize, don't you do anything until you linger there in Jerusalem and wait for the promise. And so there they gathered in that upper room. They prayed, the Bible says, for 10 days. They waited on the promise of Christ. And after 10 days... On the day of Pentecost, it fully come. The Holy Ghost had a place to be poured out on. It was a group of people who waited and tarried in that room, who believed that Jesus, what he said, he's going to do. And they tarried there and stayed there, devoted to Jesus and believing in him and what he had promised they were filled with the Holy Ghost in a dynamic way in Acts chapter 2. And cloven tongues as a fire came down upon them, and they all spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they spoke in a different language. The people in the street were amazed who were gathered there for a Jewish uh, celebration festival of Pentecost of the harvest. They were amazed with the noise that had come out of that upper room and they rushed to see what was on fire. And what was really on fire wasn't a tangible kind of fire, but it was something that landed on their heads and ended up in their bellies. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and transformed lives there in that upper room suddenly said we're now going to do what Jesus wanted us to do they then go outside and speak to the crowd and the crowd is gathered all around Peter being anointed by the Holy Ghost and then the spirit he said these these men aren't drunk as you suppose since it's nine o'clock in the morning but this is that which was promised by the prophet Joel upon all flesh, I'll pour my spirit upon all flesh. He says, this is what was promised and we've received it. And now it's not only for us, but for anyone who believes in Jesus. 
And there they begin to preach exactly what Jesus taught. Remission of repentance and remission of sin. And Peter preached that on the street. And the Bible says that their hearts were cut and said, Men, what should we do? What are we to do right now? Peter tells them to believe in Jesus Christ, be baptized. And they believed, and 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. 3,000. We get excited now in modern times if there's 10 people who decide to form a church. But 3,000 at one moment, it was a sign from God that God was going to suddenly make this into a contagious condition. It would spread more and do more than what any pandemic could do because of the power of the Holy Ghost. And they did what Jesus told them to do. And we find in Scripture that there these believers gathered together, these people who were sort of, let's face it, ostracized from their community because now they're going to speak in the name of Jesus, no longer totally only upon Abraham and Moses, but things that they say were going to be in the name of Jesus that would declare his rightful place as being the Son of God and would bring in the opportunity for humanity to really, truly experience God. I'm telling you to be filled with the Spirit, to have their life filled with God in their life. Devoted. I love these banners. I like them. If anything, I'm going to brainwash you with these banners. I got a message here. Simply, in Acts 2, and 42, I'll go to scripture first. In the English Standard Version of the Bible, it says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Devoted themselves. Devoted. Period. Period. Not devoted question mark. Not devoted comma. Semicolon. And then something can follow. But I'm telling you how many here knows a basic English and grammar. That you know you write a sentence and you put a period down. It means this is it. Not going any farther. We're going to be devoted. We're not going to add to. We're not going to water down. We're not going to give a commentary. We're not going to give our opinion. We're not going to give a suggestion. No, simply we decided we're devoted, period. No ifs, ands, or buts to it, period. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I can make that declaration and this year say, I am devoted, I want it to burn in our hearts as the word of God, surely as the people of God in the book of Acts, the early church, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. I want to say they devoted themselves. 
You know what I'm saying there? They devoted themselves. It wasn't God that got a hold of them and made them do this or that and that and this. They made up their mind. They made the decision that they were going to be devoted. You and I have the power. You and I have the commitment. You and I have the determination that we can declare today from this very moment, period, we're devoted to Jesus Christ. We're not going to give in to any watered-down version of the Bible, some compromise of the Word of God, some other Savior and some other God. We're not going to accept any of that except that we have devoted ourselves. We're devoted, period. Devoted. And I will say today in the day that we live in, the last days, perilous times shall come. But in the perilous times will come the power of God to those who find themselves devoted. Devoted. Where the period is there and nothing else. Literally, we come to the place devoted, period. And the three lines, I love that. Have you ever underlined something? I get cards from people, and they want me to see a a certain thing. They underline it. You look at my notes of my message, which I'm not following it very well. You'll see I put in bold print, and I underline a lot through there. I put arrows and marks and everything, so I go to it and say, this is important. This is, you know, there. And I put an underline underneath it because this really matters. And this devoted is simply with three lines underneath it. And I've named those lines. You ready? I want you to join with me in unity with my opinion what those lines are saying. And they're, they're screaming at me. You know what they're screaming? What they're saying? They're screaming at me? Devoted, period. I really mean it. I want to do it again. And then, then anybody be bold enough, you can join in with me, okay? Do you want to? Devoted, period. I really mean it. Let's do it one more time. Devoted, period. I really mean it. One more time. You're sounding good, sounding good. About ready to have a fit up here. Devoted, period. I really mean it. How many here mean it this morning? How many here made up your mind to be devoted? And devoted to him and him. Hallelujah. I really mean it. I really mean it. Throughout scripture, you find people who, other people in scripture, when they, they said certain things that brought out, I'm devoted. Words and statements that were made in scripture like, wherever you go, I'll go. Your God will be my God and your people will be my people. That was Ruth. Though he slay me, yet will I serve him. That was Job. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua. And here's one I really like. O king, our God whom we serve is able to to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. But if not, 
Let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set out. You know the who that was, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's hard to be devoted over hearsay. It's hard to be devoted over mama's faith, or daddy's faith, grandma's faith. It's hard to be devoted. But like these people in the New Testament in the book of Acts, when someone has a personal experience about something or someone, then being devoted is very, very possible. Being devoted is proven more by walk than talk because talk is cheap. You may say something in the sanctuary today and you'll be saying something bad tomorrow. When we read about the church in Acts, it was a devotion that led to change, a change of their hearts, their minds, their actions, and their world. No one would question whether or not if those people were Christians. It was just undeniable that they were one of them. In other words, let me ask you this this morning. If you were arrested for being a Christian and had to appear in court being charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Let it be so, Lord. Our relationship with God cannot be an undercover condition because devotion makes you show it outwardly. Yeah. Love for our spouse can't be an undercover secret relationship. No. Because it won't be long. Your spouse will start saying, you don't love me. But you have a devotion to your spouse that you're going to put her face on Facebook with you. You're going to go out public with her and, you know, take her to a fancy restaurant like B-dubs. I could have said Frisch's, but I said B-dubs. But that's okay because if you're devoted with each other, you love each other, B-dubs is just as good as any five-star restaurant because of the devotion there. Devotion. You know, devotion controls us and moves us. In chapter 3, Peter and John going to the temple to pray at 3 o'clock in the afternoon prayer time. Found a man at the lame called, the gate called beautiful, a lame man begging to receive alms. Peter and John said, Peter said, silver and gold have I none but such as I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And pulls him up. Pulls him up. The audacity. But I tell you, Peter knew that he was devoted to Jesus. And he knew Jesus was devoted to him. That Jesus would back up what he would say he would do. The signs and wonders shall follow the believers. And because of that devoted, he was devoted. Jesus was devoted to him. And there was a miracle healing took place 
that everybody could see that the man, just kind of hard to be kind of casual when you got a guy who's been all his life maimed and with, unable to walk, and suddenly he's up jumping up behind you. Wherever you go, he's dancing and saying, oh, you remember me? Yeah, you remember me? And the person's looking at him and saying, yeah, I know you were trying to get some money for me while you were back. You, he probably thought, well, you're a liar, but he didn't think that because for years that man was at that gate. And those people knew that he was a beggar. They knew he was lame. And suddenly here he's leaping and praising God. And all the devils of hell could not uh, defeat the fact uh, that Jesus is on the move. And all he needs is a people who are devoted to him. Things to happen. For things to happen. They get mad. Temple people get mad. They arrest Peter and John, throw them in prison. Keep them there all night long. Bring them up before the same kind of court people that had Jesus crucified. And they're angry with them. But the fact is, they couldn't take away the evidence of this guy. He's probably still dancing the next day. You ever been that happy before? Well, you need to be. You need to be. You were lost and bound for hell. You were a guilty sinner. You had, uh, you had sin upon you and darkness upon you and the marvelous light has come in and shone in your life. I tell you, God's people need to be excited. We need to quit acting like uh, we ain't got anything when we possess everything in Jesus Christ and that he's devoted to me and I'm devoted to him. Amen. Goodness. So much of that devoted spoke out. And they charge him not to preach or teach Jesus' name. They, Peter says, he says, they said, Peter and John said, we can't, cannot help but to speak those things which we've seen and heard. We're not going to shut up. The world would like for you to shut up. The world would like for you to quit putting up Facebook posts about Jesus Christ. But I will say this, that if you're not devoted, all you put on Facebook, it ain't going to work. But if you're devoted, your, your life will back up what you say. And God will use you. So I'm saying there's an easy solution. Get devoted. Come to Jesus. Devote yourself to him. And it makes a difference. I was talking to someone the other day. and Me and this person were talking about Paul. And Peter in comparison. You know Paul, the one who wrote three quarters of the New Testament. The one who had that incredible encounter on the road to Damascus. Paul who was highly educated. And just really, you know, Paul, incredible man of God, miracles and stuff that, that were wrought through the hands of Paul. And then there's Peter. And Peter and Paul, how God had used Peter so much in the word of God. And the person told me, he said, you know what, I relate to him more. I relate more to Peter when I do Paul. And I told him, I said, You're, you know what? I'm the same way. You know why? Because we read in Peter his flaws. You know, you know how I know this is the word of God? Through all this book, pages of this book, there are failures that are listed. 
This isn't some little made-up storybook here, because if it was, it would be like other religions where the, the people who are in their books are perfect. But in this book, it's just a ragtag bunch of imperfect people. You know what I'm talking about. David, adulterer. Huh? 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 Moses, murderer. What are you doing? What are you doing? These, these people, they, yeah, Moses wrote the five books of the Old Testament. I mean, the first five books. And David, the psalmist, the great King David. What about you know, others and others throughout the word of God? Solomon, he failed. Every, I mean, throughout the word of God, even the lineage of Jesus has prostitutes, harlots, and people who were failures. But God worked through that lineage to lead to the Son of God, to be born of David's lineage. Do you know what this book means? It means that you can be a failure, but then you can be devoted. It means you can fail, and then it can turn around. It can change. Some of you failed already last week. You drank something you shouldn't have drank. You said things you shouldn't have said. You looked at things you shouldn't have looked at. You acted in a way like a heathen rather than a child of heaven. You, you did things that you'd be ashamed of and we were to put it on the screen. You'd be so embarrassed, including myself. But then there is God with the Holy Spirit that get a hold of a Peter who suddenly he denies Jesus. You know, he told Jesus, I'll die with you. I'll die with you, Jesus. Jesus told him, he said, no, you won't. He said, I'm here to tell you before the cock crows or the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Well, he couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. And in the scripture, we find it in the gospels. Well, in Luke twenty-two fifty-four, having arrested him after arresting Jesus, in the garden, they took him away. They had led and brought him into the high priest's house. But Peter followed at a distance. Now, he was better than the rest because the rest disappeared. But he followed at a distance. Then we find the account in Matthew 26, 73, 75. While Peter was warming himself at the fire, Matthew gives a description of what happened. And a little later, those who stood by, stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. You sound like a Gallia County in person. You're from Gallia County, aren't you? You're from West Virginia, ain't you? You sound like someone from Galilee. Your accent gives you away. And then the Bible says there, Then, look what happens. He says, the person said, your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. Immediately the rooster crowed. Peter remembered the word of Jesus who said to him before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. I think it's interesting that in this account of Scripture, that interesting that when... When you follow, when Peter followed Jesus at a distance, he ended up cussing. (laughs) Oh, 
call somebody and say glory to God. Like one old preacher used to say, say amen or owe me. Following from a distance. When we follow him from a distance and not devoted like the Lord wants us to be in him, listen to the way you talk. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it, it gives a heart indicator. You've been really been cussing, carrying on, ramping, raving like a wild person. Somebody said, amen. Ouch. Your mouth is telling you your heart condition. You're following from a distance. You need to, need to move in closer. You need to move in closer to Christ. When we see that failing occurred prior to Peter's experience, he failed, but it was prior to his experience coming face to face and together with the resurrected Lord and the day of Pentecost. He was never the same after those events. You and I don't have to remain the same. We'll be devoted. We'll be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. The Lord's laid it on the heart. We need to pray. We need to pray and seek the Lord as a body of believers. We need to pray. And I want you to know that every time we have a worship service and prayer and praise and worship's going on, you can go and kneel down anytime you want to. If you want to do that and seek the Lord. We may not invite you to do so, but you are invited. It may not be verbally, but it's there because worship is worship. We acknowledge worship in the house. But this time, I believe God's wanting to hear a prayer of commitment, a prayer of devotion to him. He's wanting to hear it from us. I don't know if you've prayed yet, say, God, make me devoted I want to be devoted, but today's the day, now's the time where you can move in closer to where Jesus is at. You'll be a better husband, you'll be a better wife, a mom, a dad, a better friend, a better person, because you become more like Jesus. And the Lord won't turn you away if you say, Lord, I want to be devoted. I want to be devoted to you, I want to be devoted. Some of us have loved ones and sons and daughters that need Jesus Christ. They need us to be devoted. They need us to be devoted so we can give them the words of life. And we can pray and pray and the Holy Spirit will deal with them because God's called us into special intercession for our lost loved ones. We need to become devoted. Jesus is more important than anything in our life. Because you see... Church can't be a club. It cannot be a club because you can miss meetings and it won't matter. But when it is a place of devotion and being devoted, you make up your mind, I'm going to pray for one another. I cannot tell you the times as a pastor I've had, I've told people in the hospitals, in different places, and at funeral homes, we're praying for you. People are praying for you. Because devoted people are seeking God's face on your behalf. But maybe you need to quit following him at a distance. And just really move in closer to Jesus. And what you say and how you're living is the indicator. Would you stand with me? Now... For a pastor, it's always sort of a feeling of a risky situation here. 
I know some people may have to leave, and that's okay if you have to leave. But as a pastor, I always get concerned that people think now of people praying that it's time to leave. Oh, it's not time to leave. Because how is your life going? How is your life to live with Jesus going? Is it on fire or is the flame gone out? God says, you can fail, but you can come back. You can be devoted. I can make a change in you. I can change you. If you want me, I will change you. I will work in you if you decide to be devoted. I want to invite you to find a place to pray. There's plenty of room up here, up front. You can make your seat a place of prayer. You want to kneel down, you want to sit down, you want to lean forward on a chair, you do that. But I like to see in the sanctuary the evidence of folks calling out to God. Husbands, come pray with your wife. Wife, come pray with your husband. Pray for your kids. Pray for the family. Pray for God to move and pray, dear God, I've decided I'm going to be devoted. Be devoted to you. I want you to leave your seat now. Let's find a place right now. As a worship team comes, or those whoever know is having up. But will you find a place? Come on. Just come on up. The altar's up. The, this whole area's open. You come on up and step up. Just It's open. Just come forward and make steps toward a place of prayer. Make a place of prayer. Will you do that? And let's pray together as a church. Will you pray for this church? Pray that God will help to unify the body more. Bring us together more and love one another. There's plenty of room up here. There's room in the front seats here. There's some room all around you. Come up and leave your seat. Just come up. If you would, just come. I, I, I desire everybody, if you will, just pray for a moment. If, if, if you want to sit down and make your back of your seat a, an altar, you can do that. But I want you to pray. Let's seek the Lord.